0: It's been a month since we were in the book of Acts as we broke away for, uh, to focus on missions. And I want to remind you where we were. Or as, as Paul made his way to Jerusalem, it did not take long for those who stood against him to begin really to persecute him and prosecute him. He was delivered. Uh, the Jews uh, desired... Uh, those who opposed him, they, they wanted him dead. Uh, Claudius Lysias got in there. He was the captain of the guard. And, and he got in there and separated Paul from that group. And he heard Paul's testimony and what was going on there. And, and uh, uh, he, he listened to their accusers and all of those things. And uh, finally, one night, Paul's nephew came with word that there were those who were conspiring to kill Paul and they were going to request that Claudius would, would uh, send, uh, send Paul unto them and when they were going to do that, they were going to jump him and assassinate him or murder him, however you want to put it, and, and kill Paul. But uh, Paul's nephew had heard of that and so he let Paul know and he let Claudius know and, and so at that time uh, they, they snuck Paul out by night and got him to Caesarea. And when he got to Caesarea, uh, there were many of his accusers came there and Felix was then in charge. And so they began to, Felix heard uh, really the arguments of both and Paul once again had the opportunity to testify of of what God had done in his life. And uh, Felix could find nothing wrong that Paul had done and so... uh, he, he desired, what he wanted to do is, he, he could have released Paul, but he desired to receive some bribes uh, from others who wanted to see Paul uh, excused and, 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 and l- l- sent free. Uh, but uh, that never happened. And after some time, Felix was removed from office and Festus was put in his place. After a few days, Festus went down to Jerusalem, and the very first order of business he received was, What are you going to do with Paul? We want Paul killed. They didn't say we want Paul killed, but we we want to deal with Paul. What are you going to do with Paul? And so he encouraged him to come back with him to Caesarea. And again, uh, Paul was set out front, and Paul had the opportunity to testify and listen to his accusers. And uh, Festus, uh, Festus could not find anything wrong that Paul had done. And, and he had asked Paul, he says, Are you willing to just go back to Jerusalem and let them try you? And, and uh, Festus was just trying to wipe his hands of it and pass it on to somebody else. That's just like a politician, right? We'll just give it to somebody else to deal with. And so, uh, but Paul says, No, I, I appeal to Caesar." Well, that's a huge statement. The Lord had told him earlier to, for Paul to be of good cheer, that he was going to bless him and help him, and Paul was going to carry the gospel to Rome. Well, Festus doesn't know what to do now. He's trying to figure out, this man has really done nothing wrong. He's appealed to Caesar. I've got to send him to Caesar, but I don't really know what to write of, of the crimes that he had done. And so Agrippa the second comes Uh, He shows up here in Acts chapter 25. Uh, Agrippa, if you will remember, is is the grandson of Herod the Great. Herod the Great was the one that was uh, around when Jesus was born. The wise men that came, the kings came to to Herod the Great. He's the one that had all the babies killed under the age of two years old. Uh, That was Herod the Great. Herod's kingdom, when he died, was split up amongst three individuals. Uh, one of them, the one we know, uh, uh, um, uh, I'm not supposed to say it because it slipped my mind. Um, the one that uh, killed John the Baptist. What was his name? Come on, y'all are Bible readers. Herod who? Starts with a P. Oh my goodness. Who was it, Brandon? I can't get it back to save my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Whatever. We'll get in it, we'll get, we'll get in it, alright? Um, I didn't put that in my notes. So it moves on. He was, he was Agrippa's great uncle. Then Agrippa I became Herod, and he's the one that killed Peter. Uh, killed James and wanted to kill Peter. And now Agrippa II is the Herod. He's the king of the Jews. He's a Jew himself. He, he shows up with Bernice, who is his sister of all people. Also his wife. That tells you that Agrippa's pretty messed up. Amen? And Bernice was a pretty wicked woman. She moved from one man to another. Uh, was also the wife of her uncle at one time. And and so we, we see that, all that folding in place. And so Agrippa's now, and Agrippa's there, and Agrippa says, Festus says, you know, well, what am I supposed to do with him? And Agrippa says, well, I'll hear him. I'll listen to him. And so he does. And so they enter this area with great pomp. There's, there's a big celebration. There's a big deal because uh, Agrippa II is there in Caesarea. And so he gets in a place, and Festus has... Paul come out and and delivers Paul to, uh, to testify, and they're going to ask Paul some things. And so Paul stands before them, and he's excited over the opportunity to speak to Agrippa. Because of all the high officials at that time, Paul understood that nobody knew better the precepts, the principles, and passions that motivated the Jewish people. And it's the third time that Paul's conversion is recorded here that he testifies of this. And and he begins speaking to his countrymen. He he talks of his conversion and he concludes with his cause. And his testimony was uh, was meant to incite reason within his listeners, encouraging them to take a conscientious look at who they are and who Christ is and their individual standing with him. And so as we, can, as we proceed on down from verse 4 down to really verse 29, we, we notice that there are several voices that show up here in this chapter. And, and, and Paul mentions them. And I, I really want to focus on uh, these various types of voices that, that, uh, that really ha- are influential in, in Paul and, and influential in our own life. And the first one that I wanted to group together is this it's the voices that are around and also within us and you'll see at beginning in verse four and verse five, there are those who knew us, okay You could say those who still know us, but I really Paul is talking about those who he used to know, those who he used to run with, and he speaks of them and their testimony in verse 4 and 5. Let's read that together. He says, my manner of life, as he opens up he is speaking to Agrippa. He says, my manner of life from my youth which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem know all the Jews. He was a recognizable figure in Israel. And he says in verse 5, which knew me from the beginning if they would testify That after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. So he speaks of who he used to be. And he says, if you would bring all of those people up here, they would testify of who I once was. He says, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He He was a very devout religious individual. He was very well known. He was strong in in Bible. I mean, he would stand up and he could could give you the word of God written in the Old Testament. He could give you what the law had to say. And he would say, "If, if they stood up and told you who I once was, they could really give you some stories about that. And those same voices surround us. There are people that knew who we were before we got saved. Or perhaps a time when we were saved, but we got away from God. Those are voices that, that know some of our inner secrets, our darkest secrets. Things that we would never want brought up in church or to those who now know us today. They know about those things and who we once were. And, and sometimes, sometimes those voices are, are brought up. I once worked for a lady who happened to... Uh, she found out that one of the substitute teachers in her school uh, knew me when I was in high school. And she came to me, Miss Cam, and she says, I bet she could tell me some stories. And I said, you know what? She could tell you plenty. And I says, if it's more important to you to find out who I once was, you go right ahead. But I am more than happy to tell you who God has made me today. Amen and you but you know that right mark you have that you have those stories that's in your life and they they're around you and and sometimes you hear about that glenn i know who you once were glenn let's talk about the old days let's talk about what you used to do you know yeah i, I know it i i i i mean there are those there are those things that are out there and if we're not careful we listen to them and we think about We think about who we were. And sometimes, for some people, they get a desire. I wish I could go back to those days. No, you don't. No, there's a reason why you left all of that. You're like like the Israelites always wanting to go back to Egypt. There's a reason you left that. You don't want to go back to that. But there's this drawing and this pulling. And, oh, you remember those good times? I don't remember any of them being good times. All right? It depends on your perspective. Okay, and so, but those are voices that influence you. They're voices from your past. And then there are the voices that are within us. Look at verse 9. He says, I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. The voices within himself. I thought within myself, I'm going to do everything contrary to Jesus Christ. He says in verse 10, which thing I also did in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them, and I punished them oft in every synagogue, and compelled them to blaspheme. And being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. That happened years. Ago. Jonathan heard that happened years ago in Paul's life, but he never forgets it. He always remembers what he once did. And I imagine he sees the faces. I imagine he sees the faces of those people that he went and got and probably ladies that he grabbed by the hair and men that he beat and he drug them back to Jerusalem. And he would testify against them I caught them worshiping in the name of Jesus I caught them preaching that God is that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross I caught them telling other people that Jesus saves and Jesus is the only way to God the Father in heaven I caught them I know it they're guilty and so the the punishment would come and many of those believers were 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 either crucified some were delivered to lions some were persecuted many people lost their life as a result of that man before he got saved now imagine you could see those faces he was there when Stephen, when Stephen the deacon was martyred for his faith. He was there holding the coats of everyone who picked up a nearby stone and threw it at that, that, that saintly Christian. And Paul could see on his face, it was, the vase of an, it was the face of an angel who even though he was being lied against and even though he was being murdered, the Bible says that he says, Father, forgive them forgive them for what they're doing and that never leaves you and that is in your mind he says I thought within myself if it has to do with Christianity if it's got to do with church if it's got to do with the Bible I'm going to stand against it and that stuff never leaves that's who I once was that is what I did and you know as well as I do Jeff I'm telling you, there will be times where those voices begin to get cranked up. This is who you once were. They know it. And this is who you once were. You know it. And it wants to hold you down so that you do nothing for God. Then there are the, those who accuse us. Go back to verse 6. He tells Agrippa, now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Unto which promise our twelve tribes, instantly serving God day and night, hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing terrible with you that God should raise the dead? I'm being accused now. Because I am telling people that the promise that you've been waiting for is here. I'm being being accused now. I'm standing before you now. Because the Messiah that those people are looking for, the hope of Israel, the hope of the world, the one they are looking for, I'm standing before you accused now because I said he's come. I'm, I'm standing accused here because I am telling the world that there is hope found in Jesus Christ. I'm trying to tell them that there is one who has come who has forgiven them of their sins. That there is one who has come who has washed their sins from his blood. There is one who has come who will justify them and redeem them. There is one who has come who will fill them with his spirit and help them in this life and give them joy and peace and faith and all of these things that this world longs for. I am telling them that he has come in Jesus Christ and yet they don't want to believe it. They just want to get angry with me for that message. I'm just here to help. And people don't like it. And so they stand and they point fingers and they accuse. Well, you're wrong about this and you're wrong about that. And they send you emails and they get on your Facebook and they 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 say this about this. And they send you text messages and all of those things, right? You're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. And all you're wanting to do is tell people there is something good for you if you'll just take it. But you hear those voices, and every one of us are built the same. It doesn't matter how many good things are said about you, Jonas. It's the one person who said one bad thing that you can't get out of your mind. It's the one voice that you can't stop from hearing. Jonas, you stink. Ten people came to you and told you what a blessing you are. But one person says, I don't like, I don't like the way you're dressed today. And you can't get that out of your head and it plays on you, and it messes with you, and you think, I don't even want to go back to that church. I don't want to go to church. Voices will mess with you, don't they? They mess with me. I can't tell you how many text messages I got today of people said they weren't going to make it to church today. I was beginning to wonder, there wasn't nobody going to be here today. Some of y'all can text me and say, "I want to be there. That would help me." <laughs> they had good reason as I'm not playing. they had good reason. But, it, but Brandon it does it think, there ain't going to be nobody there today. It it's not that I got that many. But you know what I mean? I'm trying to prove a point here. We're all built the same. There are voices that influence us. It's our past. It's what we think people know about us and always hold against us. It's what we know about us and we hold against us. Somebody sat in my office this week and said, I never got saved because I never felt worthy. And I said, buddy, you're looking at a guy who's never worthy. Show me a person who's worthy. There's nobody worthy. Then there's the voices of people that love us. They mean well. I I can't say that I found it in this passage, but I remember it a few passages ago. Oh, I want to give you this right here. I read this this week. This helped me. I read this in the Gospel of John, chapter 7, verse 11, 12. This is what it was said about Jesus. Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people concerning him. For some said, he is a good man, and others say, nay, but he deceiveth the people. If they say that about Jesus, they're going to say that about us. Right? And he was perfect, wasn't he? Sinless Christ, perfect. Go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, I want you to see with me in verse 36. Those who love us. Those who love us. Paul, he's he's making his way to Jerusalem. He stops off here and he says goodbye to some people. In the last three verses of the chapter, he says, verse 36, and when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all. And they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake that they should see his face no more. And they accompanied him into the ship. You know, as you read those chapters, there was many times where someone would come and say, don't go to Jerusalem. I got a bad feeling about this, Andrew. Don't go. Don't go. Andrew, uh, Paul's just trying to follow the Lord. It's not that they didn't mean well. They meant well. They loved him. They didn't want to see him hurt. And these individuals, they're, they're coming to Paul and they're, putting the, they're hugging him. They're loving on him. Paul, we love you. Why don't you stay right here? you got a great ministry right here. We'll, we'll come to church. We'll support. We'll give. We'll, we'll, we'll be a blessing. We'll go soul winning together. Why don't you stay right here? And Paul says, this is not where God wants me to be. They mean well. They, they love us. They care about us. They want what's best for us. But they don't always know what God's will is. But we can hear that and, 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 and we appreciate that. But there's only one infallible voice. And that's the Word of God. And that's the Holy Spirit directing our life. But if we're not careful, we listen to the voices of our past, the voices within, those who accuse us, and even those who love us. And we place a great priority on all of those voices to the point that we're, we're so messed up, we don't even know what we're going to do. And we find our, we get ourselves in a depressed state. We get ourselves in a troubled mindset. We're tossed to and fro. We're, we're trying to always figure this stuff out. And it's because we're listening to everything. It is so hard to get to a place where it's just peace and quiet now. There are the voices that are around us and within us. And then there are voices from heaven let me let me say this those voices i believe is what satan wants us to concentrate on those voices that love us and accuse us and 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 know us and those voices that are within us They focus on our failures, our unworthiness, our despair. They leave us feeling helpless and hopeless and hurting. For those who love us, they can at times make us feel lost. There are times where those who have nothing good to say rob us of our joy. They're constantly questioning, they're criticizing, they're accusing, they're distracting. And this is how Satan ruined Adam and Eve and the entire human race Because they were disillusioned by the words of the deceitful serpent, they ran from the voice of the Lord God and hid themselves from his very presence there in the garden. And I want to say something about that. They listened to a voice that disillusioned them for what God really told them. And they begin to trust that voice more than they trusted God's word. And they begin to think, they begin to think of themselves differently rather than see themselves in the eyes of God. And as a result, they got to a place where they become disobedient to God. And that didn't help them at all. And so, Blake, the decision that they made is that when the one voice that mattered, the voice of the Lord God, came walking in the garden, they ran from the presence of the Lord. And they hid themselves from Him. We can allow so many things to influence us that we become disillusioned on what God expects from us or what God sees in us. To the point that we just don't really care no more. And some sit in church, but they are as far away from God as Adam was when he was hiding. And then there are those who have run as far away as they possibly can. And your love question: Where do they go? Why? Did, why? Why? Because the same thing that happens to you happens to them. Now, how do we deal with that? Well, we got to go back to the infallible Word that never that never leaves us. Forsakes us. He mentions it here. Beginning in verse 12. There's a voice from heaven that is calling us to Christ. Look at verse 12. Let's, let's read from verse 12 to verse 21 in Paul's words, okay? Whereupon, as I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests, at midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun. Shining round about me, and then which and them which journeyed with me. Verse 14. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now what's he mean there in verse 14? John, Paul had been delivered truth. Kylie? Paul had seen something when he saw Stephen. When he heard Stephen's testimony, he had been presented truth. And rather than surrender to that truth, he just fought it. He just fought it. He wouldn't wave that white flag. He wouldn't surrender. Does it sound familiar, Jeff Arnold? Jeff would come to me so many times. Pastor, you're speaking to me. It's like you're speaking directly to me. And I just tell him, Jeff, that's the Holy Spirit. It ain't me. God God knows exactly who you are and what you need. God's speaking to you. And I'd I'd come to Jeff and I'd say, Jeff, why don't you give up? Didn't I say that, Jeff? Why don't you just give up? God is presenting truth. I'd have a conversation with Jeff. I'd show him what the Word of God says. And I'd sit there and I'd watch Jeff's body language. And he would just kind of raise that head back. Kind of make this face. Nod that head. I never thought about it like that. I never thought about it like that. That's just God's Word. Amen. And just seeing that wall kept coming down. I just came to him a couple Sundays ago, I said, why don't you just give it up? He says, preacher, if it's so easy, why is it so hard? I said, because you're making it hard. Is that what I said? See, you're making it hard. You're getting your, in your way. You're getting in your own way. He said, Jesus says, Saul, so, so why, why persecutest thou me? Why? It, is, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. You know what the truth is what the truth is and you just sit there and you deny it and you reject it and you just keep going your own little way and say I'm, I'm fine just like I am and you just keep rejecting it and Jesus comes by and says hey Ben Did anybody else hear that? No, he's speaking to you He goes on and he testifies. Watch what he says. He says in verse 15, And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand up upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in which I will appear unto thee delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. He says, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. But showed forth first unto them of Damascus and at Jerusalem and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For, the, for these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Whew. I'm glad that Saul, who would later become Paul, listened to that voice. And God used him to reach so many people. Then you see in verse 22, the word testifies of Christ. Having there obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That's, That's your Old Testament scriptures. That's what he had. He says the word of God. I'm not saying anything that the word of God didn't say. And I'm just listening and I'm just delivering the word. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. That's the voices that we should be listening to. Brent, But it's hard to listen to it if we're not seeking to listen to it. And that's what I mean. By, I'll tell you what I mean by that. We as Americans are so busy getting to the next thing that we never slow down to listen to what God's trying to tell us. Just think about this. How many times have you been distracted in this one message? Think of how easily that happened. Am I the only one that when I sit down and read the Bible, suddenly a hundred things show up on my to-do list? I can remember them better when I sit down and read my Bible than I can when I'm actually trying to do them. And you have to train yourself to just slow down and listen. Listen. If we're really trying to be led of the Holy Spirit, well, then we really got to pay attention. How is where is the, how is the Holy Spirit leading in this? How is God directing me? How many times has God put somebody in my path, but I'm too hurry, I'm in too big a hurry to get around them or run over them to get to where I'm think I'm supposed to be? Hello. Or I'm so busy that I don't have time for God to talk to me today. Brent, I'm so busy, I'm so consumed with all these other voices. I wonder what they think. I know what I'm thinking. Why did they say that? They just don't understand. I know they mean well, they just don't understand. I'm consumed with all of that. That I'm not listening to the one who's calling me by name. And that still small voice shows up. Colter. Let's wrap it up. The voice is a response. Every one of us respond in one of these three ways. You see Paul's response in verses 14, 15, and verse 19. Let's reread it. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. When the Lord spoke to him, his his first response was, Who are you, Lord? He doesn't know Jesus. He doesn't know that voice. But he's calling out to him and he says, who are you, Lord? And the Lord answers him. The Lord presents him with truth. And then you see Paul's response in verse 19 as he testifies to Agrippa. He says, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He responded. He didn't disobey. God showed a truth and he didn't say, well, I'm not going to do it. He says, I was not disobedient. I responded to it. I obeyed. I responded to what God was leading me to do. And he becomes the great apostle Paul. Why did he become the great apostle Paul? Because it started right there. It started right there. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Before he planted churches, before he went on missionary journeys... Before the multitude got saved and the man was in a jail after being beaten and singing praises of the Lord. But an earthquake happened and the Philippian jailer and his family got saved. Before any of that happened, it was a still small voice calling out to him that nobody else heard. And he says, yes, Lord. The second one is Festus. Festus in verse 24, as Paul testified, it says, and as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. Most of us would just quit and go home when somebody said that to believe that. You're foolish to believe that. You're nuts for going to church and and listening to that. Much learning to make thee mad, Paul. And Paul just says, I'm not mad. Most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. Festus just says, nope, I can't believe that. That's a madman talking all right that's between you and the lord but then look at agrippa's response in verse 27 king agrippa he goes directly now to agrippa and he says believest thou the prophets do you believe the word of god and he says i know that thou believest i know he says in verse 27 i know you believe the word of god agrippa's a jew He is the king of the Jews at this time. And he he knows. That's why Paul was excited to speak before him. And Agrippa's response in verse 20, he said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Can I say this? It's the Holy Spirit drawing Agrippa to the point of almost. It's not Paul. But Agrippa wouldn't give it up. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I thought about it. I'm thinking about it, preacher. I'm thinking about it, but I'm, I'm not quite there. And Paul said, I would to God that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am except these bonds. He says, I just wish everybody knew what I know. I wish everybody knew that their sins were forgiven, that they had a home in heaven reserved for them. I wish everybody knew what it was to have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. In the midst of trials, in the midst of accusations, in the midst of knowing my past and knowing what I know about myself, in the midst of loved ones not understanding what God is calling me to do, in the midst of all these surrounding voices, I wish everybody knew what I know. He is worth it. Now, that's it for me. Here's what I want all of you to know. Whitney Garrett, God believes you're worth it. God says you're worth it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that if Whitney would believe in him, she wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Blake, God says you're worth it. Shane Watkins, he says you're worth it. David Edmondson, you're worth it. Krista, God sees value in you. Caleb, you're worth it to God. And all of us may at some point in time think that we're not and that God can't use us. And we might beat ourselves up and we might worry about what everybody thinks. I'm calling us to go back to what God thinks. He loves us to the point that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And that when we do mess up, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So he believes there's value. Listen to that voice. Just to listen to that voice. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the Word of God show you your worth and value. Stop, may we all stop getting so easily discouraged. May we stop living our life with our heads dragging. Nobody loves me. Nobody cares. God loves you. God's for us. God's with us. Can I get an amen? God's with us. God cares. God wants to lead us. He wants what's best. He didn't come to just give us joy, but to be joyful, His joy, to abound in joy. He cares. Stop letting this world tell us what we're supposed to think. Get off social media sometime and quit letting it interpret what real success is. Amen. We all know that everybody puts their best stuff or they put their worst stuff out there. Cecil Berry, he loves you. Go with that. Have some joy in your heart. All right? Don't let it stop you from telling people about Jesus. Don't let it stop you from living for Jesus. Yeah, that might be, Glenn, that might be who you used to be, but ain't who you are now. So stop believing that. Stop living back there. You're a new creature. You're a new man. And you may not be who you want to be. But you're one step closer for being here today. Let God direct you. And when that Holy Spirit and the Word of God speaks to you, just say, yes, sir. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I was not disobedient to what God was telling me. Try to just be obedient for a change. Quit saying, well, I almost did that. I almost. Stop living in the almost. Get all together in. Let's bow our heads, please. Pianos, come. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior,